Hi, I'm Justin Boyd. I'm Brittany Pacheco. Tristan Jones. Marcy Gonzalez. And we are the Watchers in the Basement. Welcome to the Watchers in the Basement. We are here today to discuss episode six of the HBO series, The Last of Us. The episode's titled Ken. And we have a new watcher for this, uh, for The Last of Us. Uh, Marcy, thanks for, for joining us. We appreciate it. So I'll start with you. What are your overall thoughts of this episode? I really enjoyed it. I think this is probably uh, my second favorite episode of the season. Favorite is still episode three, um, but showed a lot of vulnerability from Joel, a lot of um, really great acting from both Pedro Pascal um, and just not both from everybody. Pretty much the whole cast was spot on yesterday. Um, so uh, it was great that he got to kind of accomplish what the goal that he had set out, but um, it was really, really great. I loved it. Brittany, what about you? What'd you think about Ken? Ken, you know, it's a very simple title, but it has a very powerful meaning for Joe, uh, Joel. I don't know why I want to call him Joe. My bad. <laughs> but, you know, he's been on this journey with Ellie to make it to Wyoming. One, because he wants to find his brother, but then two, to get her to the Fireflies to see about making a vaccine with her, with her blood that she seems immune to these infected people. But she, along the way, has become Ken. So the title, I think, was very appropriate. And like Marcy said, lots of vulnerability from characters all around. You saw reservations about, you know, Ken-like individuals and how that kind of unfolded. And in in one aspect, kind of just exploded in, in one's face, but we'll talk about that later. Overall solid episode i i think you really got to see these actors act and i know tristan has a lot to say about the one and only pedro pascal so i'll turn it over to tristan oh man just a, a master class and i've been uh very vocal about how pedro has shined this season just by using facial expressions like these really targeted facial expressions to like show different emotions at one time mm -hmm. um and you know we'll, I, obviously talk about like the key scene from this um or one of the key scenes uh from this episode but i mean just not even just pedro but bella um excellent job gave Gabriel luna this is just uh i said just one of the, the best performances as far as just raw acting uh this is also an episode that did not feature a lot of action like the action we did get is a minute a minute and a half at the most uh, but it also felt like it felt action packed because of like the emotional roller coaster um, that it, it put us on, and just the different uh, what's it's just the different like emotional conflicts, I guess, um, mm -hmm. that we see throughout you know different characters. And I love this episode. This is probably my I don't know, third favorite episode mm -hmm. of the season. Um, like last week is number one. Uh, then we have three, and I, th I think this one will go again. Not as much action, but like the the emotion, the emotional part of this episode was enough. It like it felt like a lot of stuff was happening, even though you know action wise it didn't. So love this episode from start to finish. Yeah, you know, in this episode, the conversations were like so important and so entertaining that it felt like action. And you're exactly right. I hadn't even thought about how there wasn't really any action until you started talking about it, but. 
because everything they talked about was so crucial to the characters and the story going forward, it felt like there was a lot of stuff going on, which, you know, that's a credit to a well-written and well-acted show. And, you know, my overall thoughts, uh, like Tristan, this is my third favorite episode. And yeah, the acting was especially excellent. And, you know, in this episode, we get to see the main character or certainly one of the main characters reach his like emotional and like physical breaking point. And I thought that, um, you know, for this world that they're, they're in, it's pretty amazing that it's, you know, Pedro Pascal's character, you know, Joel, it's taken this guy 20 years of this just horrible way to like survive and live. And he's finally reached his point where he can't take it anymore. Seemingly he can't take it anymore. Obviously he uh, changes his mind, but uh, yeah, pretty, pretty emotional stuff, pretty strong stuff. And I just thought about like last night when I was watching this episode, I was like, you know, how many people in our world could survive in this world? Really? Like think about how tough one day is in that world. You know, like we, you know, we have tough days for different reasons or whatever, but like nothing like what's going on in the last of us. So, um, no, I thought it was really strong. It's a really, really, really good episode. Real quick, Justin, like yep. when, cause I, I see people ask that question a lot in, in reference to like shows like this, like, could you survive? Mm-hmm. And I think what we, what we see in Joel and Tommy is like, I guess <clears throat> seeing that question from a different perspective. Right. We, we normally see it from the, the minds of like logical, reasonable people who don't want to, you know, consider all of like the really horrific things that you would have to do to survive. Like with Joel and Tommy, we see people who actually did those things or who were willing to do those things to survive. And we see it's not it's not any easier, you know, for them as it is for like, you know, the, the more vulnerable people who don't who don't want to see life in that type of way. Like the things they had to do to like get to 20 years later, the majority of people who made it th- that far had to do some really bad things. Right. Right. And they had to like compromise part of their morality in order to survive. And like, I guess the question, like Tommy, we have a clear answer with Tommy of like, is it worth it? Was it worth it? Tommy's like, no, it really wasn't worth it. Like, yeah, we survived. I made it this far, but I don't think it was worth it. And Joel, you know, it's kind of hit or miss like he's uh, it's like he completed the mission of surviving up to this point but it's also it's that emotional like you know the emotional baggage that comes with surviving so yeah it's funny hearing you ask that question like you know we only really look at it from like the, the vulnerable point of view but like what about the people who actually do it like i don't think they feel any better about surviving oh yeah no I, you're right no definitely not and i, I think you know, people are adaptable and like, obviously once you get as far down the road as a uh, Joel and everyone is like, this is just the way of life, right? You've, you've adapted to it. You know what it is, but it's, it's a brutal day in, day out, uh, you know, grind of, you know, the way, way to live. So, uh, <laughs> not that I wasn't thinking about that all every episode, but last night, especially it's like, man, what a, well, also, you know, in this episode, they, they, you know, Joel and Ellie get to Jackson, right? They're in Wyoming. I guess, is that it's supposed to be Jackson Hole? Is that what we're made to believe it is? Or is Jackson separate? I think there's, I think there's just a Jackson, Wyoming. It's Jackson, okay. Yeah. Um, And we get to a place, as Ellie says, that fucking works. <laughs> you know, like this place, like they have, they're celebrating Christmas and they have, they, they're playing old movies and, you know, like they have like civilization. 
So, you know, I think it's especially, you know, you realize like, wow, like it's a completely different world. You know, like they've, they've kind of found a way to survive and kind of maintain a, you know, a, a, a way of life that's more accustomed to what we're used to. Mm-hmm. Marcy, what do you think about that? Or what, what were your thoughts on that part of like them arriving there and, you know, like Joel was there, he's there to save Tommy and Tommy's right. like, I don't need saving. Like I'm, I'm good. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's something that I had thought about throughout just the whole season so far is if, you know, everything kind of went down in 2003, by that point, we felt like we had, you know, achieved so many great things and made so many great discoveries and inventions. And, you know, we were so civilized. How was it that like, we couldn't just start over more quickly, better, um less violently than it seems like they had it just seemed like when like you know everything fell apart september 2003 like everything just went to shit and it was just like crazy and like why is it that you know supposedly the greatest country in the world most advanced country in the world hadn't been able to at least get back to some semblance of what we used to be um in 20 years time. So it was always something that, you know, I thought about. Um, so I loved seeing this, seeing a community that is working, that is doing it. That's not, I mean, they are being violent when it comes to keeping intruders out or people that could bring uh, people who, who could be infected, but within their own community, right? Like they are democratically elected uh, council members. Um, you know, kids don't have guns, like Maria said. Um, everything just seems to be working. Um, so why couldn't that work elsewhere? And I think one of the answers is because they were doing it in a communistic fashion, which is obviously frowned upon and something that, you know, federal wasn't going to do. Um, but this other group seems to be doing it well. Maybe that's just something that can work well in smaller communities and not, you know, for an entire country. Who knows? But um, it was just very interesting to see that community thriving when all we'd seen before is just destruction. Yeah, you know, it really got me wondering, are there other places around the country? And certainly around the world, there's got to be other places where they're doing something similar mm-hmm. in this story. I, I don't know how much more we're going to see because I feel like this is like Wyoming was like their endpoint. Of course, obviously that's not the case now, but I don't know how much more traveling around the map we're going to, we're going to do before they got to Jackson. I just want to, let's start off with a plot. Like the very beginning of the episode, it's three months after what what happened in episode five with Henry and Sam dying. And I think that like, I I was listening to the podcast, the, the, the companion podcast, and they talked about how the showrunners said that they decided that they, they wanted to give it some time between episode five and six, because obviously what happened in episode five had a huge impact on both Joel and Ellie, as we saw at the end of the episode. And I, I think they made a good choice by giving us that, that time, you know, delineation between that, when, what happened in five and six, because like now you, you kind of see the characters of Joel and Ellie, they're kind of switching. You know what I mean? Like, Ellie is now the one who, not that she's like totally in charge, but like she's the one who's, you know, she's brave because she has Joel with her and Joel is, you know, he's becoming more attached to her and he's becoming like more fearful. And I I thought that was like, by giving us that time and you see that change and right away, like you see Ellie's like 
she's like definitely more abrasive. She has kind of taken Joel's um his persona that he had in earlier in this in you know in the episodes. And he he like while she's hardening, he's kind of softening. Did you notice that, Brittany? Or what, what are your thoughts on that? Oh yeah, I completely saw that. I mean, just like how it was mentioned in the beginning of our pod that we saw a lot more vulnerability from Joel that we haven't seen before. I mean, and, and that for him, I, I imagine is just very tricky because you could see it along the way that he was becoming like that parent to Ellie, Ellie, who's been orphaned, who uh, in this episode, she did say that everyone that she's loved or cared about, you know, has, has left in one fashion or another. And so, you know, they've, become each other's support each other's people if you will and so while his defenses are going down hers are starting to really go up and i I hate it i absolutely hated the fact that this episode kicked off with seeing what happened with with uh henry and i'm like no 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 we don't need that reminder okay like that that was difficult all right i don't need to see that again i just I don't think it was necessary, but that's just me being me. However, seeing Joel soften and and kind of he wants to be that protector, but he knows he's got limitations. He's got the loss of hearing. He's older. He's just he's got a lot of baggage. And it's and the first time that we saw that baggage really starting to affect him after his meeting with locals in Wyoming it's like he had a, he was having a panic attack and that that's an awful feeling. I mean, he, he later conveys to his brother that he feels like his heart's stopping, but that he's failing. He's failing at everything that he does and even failing in his sleep. And that's a lot of weight to carry. And knowing that he, that Ellie depends on him in order to go wherever they need to go and, and survive it's just that added pressure because if he fails, then that means Ellie's going to end up in the same way that his daughter did. And man, that's tough. That's tough to admit to. And I know for me, like Joel, I don't like asking people for help. I don't, I don't like feeling that vulnerable, but the, the walls came crashing down for him in this episode. And with Ellie, she, she stuck to her guns and she's like, listen, like, I need you basically. And I was like, wow, for someone who talks rough and <laughs> um, just kind of has like this, this smart ass side to her, which I appreciate. Uh, she, she too, she too needs someone just like Joel needs someone. But like you said, like Joel gives her the bravery, right? It's with Joel that she's her less fearful, and that's what she's trying to convey to him. Yeah. Like, she's telling him, like, if I'm with you or if I'm not with you, I'm more scared, right? And uh, the, the showrunners, uh, I think uh, Mason said it in the after the show or on the podcast. I can't remember which one. But it's like the thing that, that Joel cannot convey to Ellie is that having her around makes him more scared, right? So, like, they're both working around fear in different ways, right? Ellie needs Joel to to quell the the fear, the burning fear that she always feels because she's an orphan who pretty much grew up alone, right? And that's her worst fear. And Joel's worst fear is failing at the one thing that he 
right as his calling, which is being a protector. Right. And, uh, again, like these panic attacks come from the, the more that she's grown on him and the more love that he has for her. And he's like really, really loves her, whether he admits it or not, like just the more fearful he's going to be like, that's what parenting is. It's like it's this beautiful dance of, you know, the great memories and, you know, the, the, the love that you feel while nurturing and watching something grow, but also like that constant fear that something bad is going to happen and it's going to be on you. Right. There's nobody else we can blame for this. Um, so. It's, it is interesting to see Ellie um, becoming more of a protector, like just kind of adapting a lot of Joel's persona as protector. Because I think, honestly, that's it's kind of what uh, Ellie is naturally. Like, I think she naturally, because there's so few people that she's had to trust, she's always going to latch on to the people who has at least shown some type of modicum of of trustworthiness towards her. Marlene, Joel, even Tess in a short amount of time uh, that they were together. Like, anybody, you know, we're going to meet a new character uh, next next episode that, you know, that she could trust at least for a particular point. Right. So there's just so few people that she's always going to latch on to the people who, you know, has demonstrated like some sense of uh, having her best interest at heart. Right. But we see like these nuggets of, of like the, the dynamic between breaking down. Right? Joel, because of his advanced age, because of just the miles that he's put on his body, <laughs> the, all the playoff minutes he's had uh, on surviving, <laughs> like because of that, like he's he's just more vulnerable. Right. And yeah the more he teaches Ellie like the, the tricks of the trade and these really small things, the more we're going to see her adopting these things, not for her own like selfish game because she's a protector at heart too. Can I just say, Tristan, everything that you said about being a parent, this dance of, you know, nurturing, loving, and you know, shit happens to them. It, it comes back on you convinces me. I'm not willing to embark on that journey. I myself would not be one to survive in this world because I was like a teenager when this all happened in 2003. So no. <laughs> and I would say that having kids would force some parts of your survival instinct that you didn't even know you had. I'd imagine. Cause <laughs> listen, there, there isn't anything I wouldn't do for that dog, this dog. I would kill someone for this dog. Okay. I get that, but no, I don't need a little version of me outside in this world and the world's better without it. <laughs> Speaking of a dog, there was a dog scene in this episode. And Brittany, I, I wanted to talk to you about this, especially. Yeah. So they get to, well, first off, they, you know, this, the episode opens and Joel and Ellie have, I guess they've broken into a cabin of lo with locals and they're trying to, you know, get information about, hey, like what's, you know, if they talk to this guy, this guy's name is Mar uh, I believe his name is Marlon is the the husband here in the, in the cabin. He's saying that, uh, they're at, you know, Joel's asking him for some advice about going west. And the guy said, Yeah, go east. That's that's my advice. Like, don't uh you know, Loved don't him go, and his wife. Yeah, Loved don't go west of the wife. river, right? Mm -hmm. Well, they end up going, obviously, they go west of the river. And I, I gotta tell y'all, at, at this part in the episode, when they're around that water and it's like a snowy scene, and you have two Game of Thrones characters, I thought of Hard Home. I'm not kidding. I was like, I was like, how <laughs> awesome if there was like a crossover right now. I was just like, what, you know, if they just like a, a ship rolled up with the, the undead or whatever, or the White Walkers or 
Like how crazy though that be like, or if there were just clickers that like liked medieval stuff, you know, like they were like cosplayers. Cannot with you, sir. No cosplayers (laughs) that when the the pandemic hit, they just became like they looked like a you know the Night King or whatever. I don't know. That's what I thought about. But uh, so we get past the we get past the river, and or near the river or whatever, and uh, the people from I guess the, the the Jackson people show up, and they've got a dog. And apparently the dog can smell if someone's infected and just the sheer terror on both Joel and Ellie's face, because we know that Ellie has been infected. She's also immune, but like she does have the, the bites or the markings of, you know, the, of being infected. Uh, but Brittany run me through the whole, you know, watching it, your dog apparently got very involved in the dog scene. I'll let you take it away. Luna is just very protective of, of her home and, and her, her mom her dad, she's you know she's she's a herding dog. She's gonna bark. She's gonna yeah. react to any other animal, and it's not just dogs. Any other animal she sees, even mythological, she had a huge reaction to the dog on screen. And and I will say, I've taken Luna to scent work classes to to learn how to pick up on a scent and alert on it. And let's say it, it takes a lot to train a dog to do that. So to to have these service animals who can sense when someone's about to have a seizure or their blood pressure is about to drop or that kind of thing. And in this case, it's sensing whether a human is infected or not. That's, that's a talent. Like that's, that's incredible. And I'm just very curious now because the dog did not alert on Ellie, you know, the sheer terror across both hers and, and Joel's face was, I mean, like Tristan said, clinicals, like clinic acting here. Right. And, you know, the dog was just happy to see Ellie and she's like, hi, you know, and just petting it, loving on it, what have you. Dog clearly didn't alert. So it's just very curious that while she's infected and she's immune, she does not give off that scent of, you know, truly being infected. It, it lingers, I'm sure, in her bloodstream to some degree, but uh, whatever her body, you know, produces, it uh, it can mask that scent but yeah luna had a huge reaction she went from sleeping to just barking and running up on the tv and just pause up and she's you know in its face bark 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 so yeah she's uh it's napoleon syndrome here she's you know small small dog but she thinks she's a bigger dog yeah no it's, it definitely was a a like big tension point in the episode because I, I was you know you're wondering like what what's going to happen and you know Joel even references later when he's talking to Tommy, like he completely froze, but in his defense, I don't know what could he possibly do? He, he, his guns on the ground. That dog was going to attack him if he moved. Yeah. And there's 20 people, 20 armed people or or more that are waiting for him to make a move and they're just going to kill him. So I don't know. It was one of those, I mean, we'll talk about the end of the episode because I wonder what happens going to next episode because the way this one ends, I've got questions, but, uh, pretty pretty uh high 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 tension was that moment with with the dogs and the 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 group but you know then we get to we get to the the town of jackson they're they're let in and joel is reunited with tommy man they share a big hug uh marcy's gonna ask you what did you think about this reunion between these two brothers who haven't seen each other in uh is it 20 years tristan or is it is it less than that i guess we're not really sure right 
it's less than it's not a full 20 years because yeah. uh, we, we know right. that Tommy and, and Joel are part of the, a larger group that made his way to Boston. Okay. Yeah. Um, so made a little bit less than 20 years. Listen, when we talk about Pedro Pascal and just how awesome he's been in this role, um, not only with just like, acting using all of his body, but in this scene, it was mostly his face. You could see, you know, he pulls yeah. up, he yells out, Tommy, they see each other. You could tell on Pedro Pascal's face, all of the emotions that he was feeling as Joel. Um, so I thought that was a very emotional scene for me. I didn't think I would get that emotional about it, but he just did such a great job again of just showing us like all the different emotions that Joel could be going through just with his face. And then, you know, they finally hug and they reunite, um, which we knew was coming, but it's still very like heartwarming to watch. Um, and then to just kind of, I think Joel to see that Tommy is okay. I think that really like put a weight off of him, right? Like not only has he found his brother, but his brother is doing okay and he's not hurt and he's thriving. Um, so I think that really just kind of took it to another level for Joel. Mm -hmm. And then like now he's thinking, okay, so you've been fine and you haven't been on the radio right. and you haven't tried to reach out. So then you see his face is showing different kinds of emotion. Now it's just kind of like suspicion, hurt, um, maybe a little bit of betrayal, but I think it was a really great scene. Yeah. And from Tristan, from Tommy's perspective, I mean, he's definitely, you know, he's happy to see his brother, but it doesn't feel like it's a, it's even like Joel is definitely like, this was his goal, right. was to get to Wyoming, to get to his brother and Tommy's like happy to see him, but like, you know, he's got things going on. He's got his own family that he's trying to build up here in, in Jackson. You can definitely see that. Yeah, like this tension, um, I, I thought it was very interesting that the show did not show us like the, the tension immediately when they first met. Like, it, you, of course, you allow the warm embrace and then yeah. almost immediately like the, the new tension comes in or, or, the, or the old tension and the old fissures uh, that they've had between them, you know, over the course of, you know, almost two decades comes back pretty much almost immediately once they're alone. Um, I, What's also interesting about that that first meetup between Joel and Tommy is if you look at everybody else's facial reactions, uh, like Ellie has a look of just like, I don't know, like a slight jealousy, uh, slight jealous look of like, hey, I'm the person who's supposed to get that type of affection uh, or, or at least like, hey, I'm sharing this person. Um, Maria obviously has a look of uh, disapproval. Uh, for right. Joel, you know, all these things, you know, obviously play out th throughout the rest of the episode. But um, this, again, this is another a slight deviation. I won't even call it, a lot of these things are not deviations from the game. A lot of these are just, I would say, additives uh, that serve to make this particular medium's uh, depiction of the, of the story better. Mm -hmm. uh, in the game, when Joel and Ellie you know, reach, they don't, they actually don't go to Jackson, actually. Um, they actually meet, the entire interaction between Joel, Ellie, Maria, Tommy happens at the dam um, that we see when, when Joel and Ellie first, you know, ride up, get closer to that area, closer to Jackson. So they never, in, in the first game, they never actually go into Jackson, into the actual town. So, you know, 
the entire part of the entire interaction between them in the game is completely contentious. Um, you know, Joel obviously wants Tommy to take over. Um, Ellie getting her to the Fireflies um, in Colorado. Um, Tommy does not want to do it because he has these newfound responsibilities. And then there's like uh, an attack by like some Raiders. So you have to get into game mode pretty quickly. So I love that in this depiction, they they drew drew out a lot of or fleshed out a lot of the emotional, um, you know, reunions or just like that, that exposition that we need to see, you know, where these characters are emotionally uh, and how they're at odds with each other and so on and so forth. Like the emotion, the emotions uh, is a big star of this particular uh, episode. And we see it a lot in how this particular section of the game or this other story is depicted. Um, you know, the next we we get a couple of good, really good scenes. We get the the scene with where they're eating, and uh, you know, Joel and Ellie are eating, and Maria and Tommy are there with them. And and Brittany, I was going to ask you about this. What did you think about how abrasive Ellie is? And and like it's it you really see where Joel is like, like she's it it's basically his next daughter. Like this is his daughter, and he's telling her like, hey, you know. Where's your manners? Why are you talking like that? Like, what did you think about that whole, uh, the, we see this like parent, like a uh, child relationship. It was quite funny to me because as far as we can tell, he has made no efforts whatsoever to like raise her with manners and behave a certain way around people because it's just been the two of them really, for the most part, like she was rough and abrasive even around Henry and Sam. I mean, she, she softened, to Sam, of course, because he he's a child. And I don't know. To me, it was really funny, one, to hear the whole, uh, ma'am, thank you for your hospitality. And I'm like, wow, let that Texan accent, you know, really yeah. come out, you know, represent, right? And, but, uh, you know, Pedro Pascal, for those of you who don't know, he actually did grow up in San Antonio. So he, uh, to hear that, and then to kind of give off this persona of like, I, I am a well-behaved human being. Please pardon this child who apparently has no manners whatsoever. And at least just kind of being like what I'd imagine like a typical, no disrespect, New Englander would be like, what? Like, what? You want to yeah. fight? Like kind of <laughs> kind of situation, right? Because she's she's eating her food and she's like, this is fucking great, you know? And and then she sees <laughs> some some girl from the community there who's kind of just like, hiding behind a, a, a pole and, and then Ellie looks at her and she's like what like <laughs> and like scares off this girl and it's like calm down like the, no one's trying to run up on you and like fight you or whatever but I think because we don't have the backstory of Ellie at this point you just kind of look at her and just be like damn like this this girl like just does not possess any manners you know, typical human, not human, but just typical behaviors. And it's like, but she probably has had like an, a really rough upbringing as well, being orphaned, being in Fedra and what have you. So it was just funny to me to see that Joel tried to kind of give this illusion of, oh, Ellie, where, you know, where are manners? And she's like, she has none. You know this. Don't, don't try to put on this facade. Come on, like be who you are. It's fine. Like just deal with it. <laughs> it was funny to me overall. 
There's and that some girl is an Easter egg, possibly for season two. I've heard theories about this as well, being a particular character um, that we would later uh, come to know, I think in part two. Uh, from my understanding, the creator said that it could be, it could be her, but it also may not be her, but that's not to say it couldn't be her. So, I, you know, very ambiguous, of course, but we'll see. You, you, you know what I think about that? What I think about that, I think it is that character, but it might be someone else playing that character in part two. That's my thoughts on it. Oh, yes. we've got another Quantumania situation with no, Kathy. No, no, <laughs> yeah, no, you, no, you're right. Yeah, this, yeah, because I think it, <laughs> I, I bet it, it sounds like this character is going to be a big character in part two. So they'll probably, it'll be a bigger actress or, you know, somebody, you know, maybe not. Who knows? Maybe the person who was in there was fantastic. I don't know who the person was, but, uh, I mean, all she had to do was just hide and yeah, walk away. Just, yeah, right. <laughs> Brilliant acting. <laughs> yeah, but I yeah, I mean, probably for that small of a part, they probably just you know whoever was available or whatever. But I bet they'll recast and it'll be somebody, um, somebody that's you know going to be big time. So you know, the next scene or so, we we see uh, so well during the the dinner scene, we find out that Maria is. Uh, is Tommy's wife and she's pregnant. And then we later learn, you know, that we see how we see how um, Ellie learns about Sarah. Uh, she sees like there's this chalkboard in, in the, one of the rooms that they have, uh, you know, a child's name, Kevin would died. I think he was like three years old and they have Sarah's Sarah's you know, birthday and the day she died. And uh, Tr Tristan, I was going to ask you about this. Is this portrayed in the game also? Where they like this Kevin? Ke so Kevin is Maria's child, right? It's not Maria and Tommy's child. No, no, okay. No, this all the uh, the dialogue between Maria and Ellie happens off screen because okay. Joel and Tommy go off and they have their one on one talk, and you know Joel um, makes his proposition for for Tommy to take Ellie, um, and then. They get interrupted, like I said, by gunshots because <laughs> um, mm -hmm. the, the dam where they're working on is uh, the working to which is funny because they, they mentioned it in, in the show when when um, when they first get to Jackson. But in the damn. game, <laughs> in the game, they're working yeah, damn. <laughs> um, in the game. They're actually working on like the final stages to like building that uh, retrieving electricity from the dam. Right, and they finally get it working right before uh, they get attacked. Um, and you know, Joel and Ellie have to, you know, defend defend them, you know, the community, whatever. But yeah, it, the conversations between Maria and Ellie happens off screen. Um, but Ellie does mention, like, after that conversation, that she knows about Sarah. So we can tell that that was part of the conversation that they had. Okay. So, so Marcy, what did you think about the conversation between Maria and uh, and Ellie? Where you know, I mean, she's Maria's trying to help her. She's cutting her hair. She's got like things that she's telling her to try to you know things tips for what she should do, and she tells her something that's pretty important about trust. What did you think about that conversation? I think it was spot on too. I mean, just in real life too, um, you have to be careful who you put your trust into because again, like 
you're going to be betrayed by somebody you know and somebody you trust, right? It's not going to be just some random person that doesn't really know you. Like, they're not the ones that are going to betray you. Um, so I like that she gave her uh, just kind of this piece of advice. And Ellie, you know, may have taken her, maybe not. I think Ellie was a little bit guarded because for her, Joel is somebody who protects, right? And she knows he's done bad things, but to her, he's not a bad guy. However, what Maria has heard uh, has painted Joel in a different light, right? Like she might see him as a bad guy um, because he's done certain things that Tommy has told her. So um, I think Ellie might take her advice, but maybe not use it with Joel. I think by this point, she feels like she can trust Joel and like he's not going to betray her. However, in the next few scenes, she ends up getting hurt when she overhears Joel like wanting Tommy to take over. Um, so I think maybe in that moment that kind of brought back that advice for her to just be like, okay, maybe I can put my trust into Joel, but also maybe not put all of my trust into Joel. Because again, the more I trust him, the more it's going to hurt if I, you know, if he ends up betraying me somehow. I like to weigh it weigh in on this as well. I thought it was just very ironic for Maria, someone she's never met, a stranger, to offer this advice and say, you have to be careful about who you put your faith in because people are bound to betray you or whatever. And it's like, yeah, okay. I just met you like five minutes ago. Like, thanks for the haircut and thanks for the clothes and thanks for the food. But like, I don't know you from Adam. And, and the idea too from Maria, because I've been on both sides of determining one's personality and if they're a good person or not. I think everyone in life has. But to say, oh, well, Joel's a bad person because this is what his brother said. Well, yeah, to maybe deflect off the fact that he too did the bad things and, oh, well, he only did the bad things because Joel told him to or Joel, you know, led the way. And it's like, okay, so Tommy's incapable of making his own decisions. Like, where's the accountability like, come on, Maria, you, you were a district attorney once upon a time. Be smarter than this. Like, don't put on rose colored glasses just because this is the man that you love and like you're starting a family with him. Like, good for you for like restarting your life. But like, you also don't know Joel either. You just know secondhanded information to that possibly may not be entirely true because Tommy doesn't want the heat. Right. You know. It really bothered me that she felt the need to say that. I mean, I, I get it may have been coming from like a good place, but it just kind of came off as like, I know, I know Joel better than you. No, you do not. You've never met the man. Like Ellie has seen time and time again that Joel has been there to protect her. She has also protected Joel. Like they do trust one another. And yes, being hurt by someone that you trust is devastating, no matter age, no matter how minimal it may be. But Ellie obviously knows Joel way better than Maria ever would. Just saying. Just Maybe. Saying. I, uh, I would argue that Maria is a perfect person to give her that advice, right? Because if it was somebody that Ellie knew, then it could come off as like self-serving, right? But I think sometimes the best person to give you that type of advice is somebody who's so far removed from it. And, Maria's not super far removed for, from it um, because she's she's biased to a degree. But I personally believe, and this is without having any advanced knowledge of it, I think Tommy 
was super honest with Maria about what they did. You know, the, the travels basically from 2003 until whenever, you know, Tommy linked up with Maria and the rest of that, that group. I think he was super honest. Um, and I can see, you could tell by the guilt that he just, can, he cannot escape. You know, even just seeing Joel reminds him of like all these different experiences and memories that they had. Um, I think while Maria may not know Joel from a first person point of view, we can get enough information about somebody through loved ones, through, you know, somebody, Tommy's also biased towards Joel. So I'm, I'm sure that when he's recounting these things that they did, you know, from Boston all the way to whenever, um, that he probably dressed it up in a way to make Joel not seem as monstery uh, as he probably was. But I think also some of the characterization of Maria's is them letting us know that she is a really good judge of character. And she's like that in the game. Like she's, she's able to see both sides. Like she's, she's really good at seeing different perspectives and uh, not being so one-sided on things. And in the, the time that we actually do see Maria in the game, um, I think she's, she's looking at Joel through uh, one, just the, the perspective of, Hey, this is somebody who had to do what he had to do is also somebody who did a lot of really, really bad things. Right. Um, and I think that's why she gives a measured kind of piece of advice to Ellie about Joel. Like first she kind of starts off with this, this generic, Hey, be careful who you put your trust in because you can be betrayed. And then she kind of narrows it down to like, Hey, make sure you, I know you're following Joel just like Tommy did and a lot of, like other people did, but also be smart about how much you put your faith into him. And there's going to be more reasons for Ellie to doubt Joel's trust uh, as we get to the end of this season. So I, I, yeah, I get it. Like, again, this is, she's a complete stranger, but she also might be the perfect person to give that advice. No, that's fair. Entirely fair. I just, I just have a hard time dealing with people who like, who let's say they judge me because they hear secondhanded information and that information may not be entirely factual or painted in, in such a way that it makes me, because everything can be based on interpretation. Tommy can, can say whatever he said to her and said, yeah, Joel did these things, but he did it because that was the only way to survive or he did it maliciously or, you know what I'm saying? Like there's so many different avenues we can look at this, of course. But I, I, like I said, I, I, I know Maria's intent was coming from a good place. I just, it, to me, it was like, Hey, don't put your faith in people. And it's like, I'm like, I'm going to put my faith in you. I don't even know you. Like you were kind, you, you know, what have you, but like, I don't know what your true intentions are either. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. For me, it's just, I'm guarded. If you can't tell. <laughs> So we continue on and we we see this scene between Tommy and uh, Joel and Joel basically kind of breaks down, confides in Tommy, everything tells him, hey, Ellie's immune. You know, she could be the key to solving this whole thing. He also, you know, tells him, like, look, I'm not the guy I used to be. I can't do this anymore. You know, tells him, tells his brother about the panic attacks. And he asked Tommy to take it to to be the one to take Ellie to the Fireflies base, uh, which is in Colorado. And uh, basically, he says, "Hey, like he's Joel's afraid that he can't keep her safe, right?" And so 
I think this is a this is a really key key part of this uh, this episode. And Marcy, I want to ask you about this. Um, so you know, Ellie overhears this, and you know, which I, I don't really understand where she was when this happened, but I mean, whatever. It's a TV show. Um, so she overhears this, and obviously, it leads to this epic scene between uh, between Joel and Ellie. And uh, I don't know. I, I was well. First off, were you surprised that? that Joel is basically giving her away to Tommy in this way, or is it, um, I don't know. Well, first of all, were you surprised by that part of it? I guess. I would say maybe yes. And no, I was definitely surprised by the amount of vulnerability we got to see from Joel. Um, so that was surprising, but you know, knowing how, I guess much he has really bonded, bonded with Ellie even if he tried not to, like we could see it, you know, throughout the whole season. Um, like you would think that he wouldn't be the one to like, just say like, no, I can't do it anymore. Tommy, you have to do it. But then again, just knowing how we'd seen him throughout this episode, again, have the panic attacks and just kind of have the difficulty breathing and the chest pains and everything. Um, and just kind of seeing how, tired he's gotten how beaten down he's gotten that's not surprising we can definitely see why he would be like thinking that he's not the adequate person to like keep on transporting her he's not the one who can protect her um so i would say yes and no yes surprised but not really once we kind of look at how he's been feeling um but i was definitely surprised like how much he shared with Joel about how he'd been feeling and how he'd been failing. Mm -hmm. um, I thought it was good that we got to see that from Joel because that's not something that we get to see. Um, but then again, in the scene with Ellie later, like he kind of clams back up and he doesn't share that vulnerability with her, which would have helped her understand a little bit more. Yeah. You know, I, I actually, I, I kind of messed up my question. I, what, what I really meant to say, are you surprised that he, that, that, that Joel didn't go with them? That that's what I was surprised by. Like, why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't the two brothers and what? Like, why wouldn't Tommy and Joel accompany Ellie? That that that's what was like surprising to me. Like, even if you're in this weakened state, you've made this this long this long you know road or this long drive or whatever to get there. I thought he would want to would kind of see that through, and with his brother's help, right? That he could make that happen. I, that's what I was surprised by. So I guess did that was that kind of odd to you that he just was like, hey you take her. I can't do this. I'm out. No, because I think at this point he knows how much he has really bonded with Ellie. Um, I think at this point it's going to hurt him too much if he knows something happens to her. So he's trying to shield himself and he's like, I would rather just kind of leave you now instead of maybe have to either like, you know, see, have you see me die or not be able to protect you um, or, you know, just have you see you be killed. Um, I would rather just like say, okay, like, let's like, let's say goodbye now. Like I know I'm sending you off with somebody better. Um, and I think maybe at this point, he's also feeling a little bit guilty if he's seeing her as another daughter um, because it's like, well, is she taking Sarah's place? Like, I don't want anybody to take Sarah's place. That's how I kind of saw it to where he's like, I need to like start pulling back from this relationship because again, like 
it's putting me back into like a father protective role where I thought that that was something that was behind me. Like Sarah was my daughter, like she died, she's gone. Nobody else will take her place. Okay. Yeah. That's, 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 yeah. You know, it's just like, I don't know. I just, I thought he would want to like see it through and just with his brother there, his brother could, you know, could be that aid that could take over if something bad happened. Um, I feel like this was something that Joel may have even predetermined when they were on their journey to Jackson. And the question was being asked about, Hey, like once we get to Wyoming, like, what are you going to do? Like, we're going to basically, he was basically saying like, we're going to part ways. Like you're going to go save the world kind of thing. And Ellie asked like, well, what are you going to do? He's like, Oh, I'm going to be a sheep farmer. Okay. Like, sure. People do that. Fine. But I kind of feel like with that question being asked, because I, I can't remember off the top if it was him who started that conversation or if it was Ellie, regardless, that kind of gets you thinking about, okay, once we do make make it to our destination, there's opportunity of I, I Joel, maybe reunited with my brother. You know, what kind of life is he living? Like, do I need to protect him? Do I need to help him? Like, there, I just really feel that maybe Joel was already predetermining that once they got there, Ellie was, they were going to go their separate ways. And I think seeing how successful Tommy has been building this community in Jackson and, and learning, okay, well, it's not here, here that we need to take Ellie. It's, you know, a week's uh, ride away. I know my limitations. I'm I'm very aware that I cannot do the things that I once did. I'm going to leave it in the hands of Tom, of Tommy, who has made this journey, and other people have obviously made this journey. Like, I I think he kind of maybe just knew ahead of time what he was going to do. I think it's the the surprise for me was not obviously I knew that you know he was going to propose that Tommy take Ellie, but. From the way I I know it, it's it's out of complete selfish reasons, right? It's it's the selfishness not of like I just want to get rid of this girl, but it is the I want to get rid of this girl because I love her so much, and I'm like Marcy said, I'm trying to withdraw from this relationship. But in the game, what we don't get is the um, the admitting like that your like your mortality basically, the accepting of the mortality, and that's what made that scene so so brilliant is at one end see you see a man trying to assert both his masculinity right he's fixing up his own boots you know (laughs) like he's isolated himself from the rest of everybody else because that's just the way he functions best is alone right um but at the same time he can't he cannot hide like just the complete worthlessness that he feels because yeah, he wants Tommy to to take Ellie, but he's desperate, right? Like you literally see the tears in his eye. He is desperate for somebody else that he trusts to take her off his hands because she's like having to protect and having to worry about her because he hasn't dealt with the original trauma it's killing him. They're like it's slowly killing him because every time they go through every interaction they have with other humans, with infected, with 
the elements with all these different things it becomes a, like a different test for him of can you protect her can you get her to where she needs to go and then there's these these the ad, added burdens of can you also kind of guide her through life right like he's kind of tasked himself with teaching her like what life was like you know before outbreak day like what was football like or, you know what was yeah. the style of government you know what was all these different things and so he has in unintentionally assumed the father role and because it's not one that he's willingly accepted and it's because it's not one he's prepared for anymore because of you know sarah dying and him never being able to deal with that he is scared shitless right so like he he's like hey tommy take her off my hands not because i just want to get rid of it because i don't i don't know if i can do this and that has to be you know debilitating for somebody who's spent so long being the protector guy accepting that they can no longer be protector guy yeah and i think too seeing more or less like the ghost of sarah at, at the christmas tree yeah seeing what life could have been like if she were still alive and the life that he missed out on or he was robbed, she was robbed, this this woman who has a child and they're celebrating Christmas. It's like, that's, that I think probably could have been that deciding factor for, for Joel before he spoke to Tommy. It's like that reminder of, wow, like this, this could have been Sarah, like this could have been life. And the idea of him possibly not being able to make that happen for Ellie because of his limitations is uh yeah it's quite devastating yeah i think you really see that like this is the case where when you have something you have something to lose you know and in the first the what was the first episode where after you know years after he lost sarah you know he was the one who was able to scoop up that dead child and just put it amongst the trash heap or whatever like he was basically dead inside he had not like he's just he was very task oriented or job oriented or whatever. Whereas now he has something, you know, like he's not, you have nothing to lose, you know, like whatever, you know, but like when you have something, it's, it's tough. And you definitely see that in this episode. Um, so let's get to the big, the big famous scene from the game. And uh, that apparently is, uh, I was trusting this, the confrontation between, uh, you know, Ellie overhears uh, Joel's plan to have Tommy, take her in the morning to Colorado. Uh, and obviously she confronts Joel and basically, you know, mentions, Hey, I know Sarah and, you know, like I, I know about her. And then obviously Joel gets upset with that. And he's like, you don't know anything about loss. And she's like, everybody I've cared for has either died or left me. She's like everybody, but fucking everybody fucking except for you, which is a weird phrasing, but it Bella Ramsey delivers it. Well, Tristan, how does this scene play out in the game compared to the show? Exactly the same. Exactly the same. Exactly the same. Um, the only difference is that, well, no, there's differences. Um, yeah. the, the the scene, but like the dialogue between Ellie and Joel is the same. Yeah. Um, and I commend them because that's a lot of pressure for that. But that scene is a turning point, uh, I'd argue, of the entire series. It's a turning point of the entire story um that, so like that is literally probably the most famous scene in the entire game um and they they killed it they killed it i i dropped the tear like like 
the emotional reticence, like it carried through, it jumped off the screen. Like you feel what both of them are feeling. You feel Joel, um, you feel him like trying to keep Ellie close, but also pull away at the same time. Um, you you feel Ellie, you know, with this, this feeling of betrayal, but also like the bravery it takes to like admit that the person she does not want to leave, like she doesn't want him to leave and she doesn't want to se separate. Right. And I don't know, like they, they just killed that scene. Uh, the, the way it deviates is that Ellie actually runs away in the game after she overhears uh, Joel and Tommy and she runs away, steals a horse, runs into a different town. You have to follow her. Um, and Joel and Tommy actually have to go follow Ellie um, into this different into these different towns where you run into infected, you run into other raiders and stuff like that. Um, and Joel eventually finds Ellie in this house in one of the towns, and that's where they have that particular scene. So yeah. Okay. So after the scene, uh, we we go to the morning, and it looks like it's going to be Tommy taking uh, taking Ellie for to Colorado. But then, you know, Joel has had a change of heart. He decides that he'll be the one to take her. And Marcy was going to ask you, do you think it was surely because of the conversation that we see that the big scene or what do you think is the reasoning why Joel had a change of heart and decided to be the one to take Ellie to Colorado? I think it was partially because of the scene, but I think deep down he really cared about her enough to just not do that to her and not be another person that had let her down. But also I think he also didn't want to put Tommy in that danger, right? Like he knows Tommy could probably do it, but it's not guaranteed that he'd be able to do it and get them both, um, you know, get Ellie there unscathed and then make it back home. I think he also was weighing like, okay, yeah, maybe Tommy could do it, but he could get hurt um, and then not come back to his family. Like, I don't want to rob Tommy of the chance to be able to, you know, have this new start with Maria and their with their kid. And I don't want to rob like Maria and their kid the chance to like get Tommy back safely. So I think it was twofold for Joel. But I think deep down inside, he's like a big old softy, right? Like we saw when Sarah was alive, like he was a nice and caring dad. Yeah. Um, so I think like that is still part of who he is at his core. It's just You've got so many layers of things that have hardened him, but I think that just really came back to the surface. So we get, so Joel and Ellie are on their way. They go to Colorado. They find this uh, base, which is set up in a college. It's like a college town, or it's at a college, and it's vacant. The, the fireflies, I guess, have relocated. They're, they're gone. And of course, you know, Joel and Ellie get attacked by, the, by a group of raiders. Well, they see a group of raiders. They're running from them. One of them attacks. Uh, Joel's able to kill the guy, but we see him get stabbed. Uh, pretty strong. I mean, like Tristan, you mentioned there was a lot of action in this in this episode, but the, the action at the end was, was very uh, powerful. Um, you know, so we see them. We see you know Joel and Ellie are able to get away. Joel is like bleeding out. And then as the episode ends, we see him fall off the horse and, uh, you know, 
Ellie gets off the horse and she's like, I can't do this without you. Like, you've got to like open your eyes. You got to live. And, and my question is how the hell do, does, jo- I mean, obviously I know Joel survives to the next episode, but how does that happen? Like, I, I just don't, cause they're out in the middle of nowhere and the closest thing they're, they're close to like a bunch of Raiders. And I don't know. It's like, how, how does, how do they survive? He might've been better just leaving the broken bat handle in him versus having removed it and bleeding out. Like I'm not a survival survivalist. I don't just, but, but based on what I've seen, like, I think it'd be hard. What's that? that? The Grey's Anatomy will tell you to leave the the thing in there. Like you don't never watch Grey's Anatomy. There's plenty that I haven't watched, but to me, logically, it just seems like you leave the thing that's, pierced you that way you don't bleed out like you're gonna bleed internally which is equally bad but like that might be a lot slower than pulling the the weapon out and then bleeding out and hap- happening what happened to joel i mean come on come on as far as like how they how he survives i have no idea in the game um again there's a an attack by you know a group of, of raiders at the college as they're leaving as Joel and Ellie are leaving, um, a guy actually, Joel and Ellie, I mean, Joel and one of the guys starts fighting on a balcony and they both fall off the balcony. Joel lands on like a broken back shard. And that's, you know, um, Ellie has actually, she jumps down, she has to shoot um, or her and Joel shoot, you know, a couple guys that are coming out or one of the, a clicker or something, somebody comes, something happens, whatever. But after that, it pretty it cuts the black just like this episode did. So, and then it just some time passes, and then I'll I'll stop there. But I don't know how Joel survives. Um, I have no idea. It's, there's like a, a a blackout period, and then it moves on to the next section of the game. Yeah, it, yeah. it was a great cliffhanger ending for this for this episode. Which I don't have. We really had one. I don't think we've had one of those this season, have we? No. Well, I guess kind of episode four was kind of a cliffhanger because they wake up and they have guns drawn in their face, right? So that, I mean, kind of, but kind of. I mean, really, like, I don't. You're like, how how does Ellie get him back up on the horse, or how do they find someone that can help? It's. I'll be really interested to see what happens in a uh, in episode seven. And did did everybody did y'all watch like the the coming up for next week? Absolutely. Yes, I did. Okay. <laughs> So, so Marcy, you didn't, but uh, it looks like it's a very heavy uh, Ellie episode. So it looks like Ellie meets a, I think probably a major character, right? Would you say that Tristan, the character that looks like she meets in this next episode? Uh, major character in like the context of who Ellie is, but not okay. major as in somebody that we're going to see a lot going forward. Okay. Yeah, it looks like she's like, at a firefly camp mm-hmm. looks like it's like an all girls school kind of situation. So it looks, uh, I, I, I'm just really interested to see how she gets from what happened at the end of episode six to, I don't like, think she's, a, I don't think she's at a firefly camp. I think she's at Fedra and she meets Fedra. someone who's okay. affiliated with the fireflies. And maybe that's how she inadvertently will be connected to Marlene, Marlene, Marlena, Marlene. whatever her Marlene. name was. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I, I, yeah, I think that's what that is. Cause it looks like it's a school setting. We know that Ellie went to a federal school, right? She's being bullied and she's in the principal's office, if you will. So 
Yeah, this, that's a- this next episode is going to be one of those where even uh, game players, like we have like a small piece of exposition in the game to go off any of this. And it's just, this is, I think this is going to be one of those episodes like Bill and Frank where they take a small piece and they just flesh it all the way out. So that's I got cool. nothing for you on next week. Yeah, because because like they show her that she's like in that like it's like a gym certain area where they're running around like in the gym and it's like is this like a flashback episode or is it after what happened yeah i'm not really sure i think 100 percent. it's it's 100%. a backflash okay uh, flashback. flashback yeah <laughs> or backflash you know well yeah. but then yeah. but then we see or, a scene where she's with this friend of hers and they're in a mall and they're like in a mall that's you know, with infected people and they have But to... I think that's still part of the flashback because that's probably Remember, maybe the first time yeah. how she got yeah. infected. Yeah. Okay. Remember you know, she said gonna... she told she told Tess that she snuck into a mall. Yeah. Oh okay. she also said she like did a... it alone. Yeah. So Okay. That makes I think sense. we're definitely getting a lot more flash. I, I want to okay. say backflash like no, an idiot flashback, flashback of no. <laughs> That that's really I, that makes so much more sense if it's a flashback episode because, you know, and with Joel's situation, he's gonna have to be in a hospital or some kind of medical facility. That that would take him. Out. So I think that, you know, there's gonna be some time elapsed before we see Joel and Ellie, Ellie riding along their way. You better get some snow and pack it into that wound. Keep that man alive. Like drag his ass with the horse to get yeah. back. Tommy, or maybe Tommy's going to ride in on a horse, like a, you know, sh- yeah, maybe a tauntaun. Out. Maybe it's like Empire Strikes Back. That that works too, you know. That's the cut one cut, open, cut put him open, in there, yeah. put him in there, keep him warm. That's that's fine yeah. by me. Like, <laughs> smell terrible. Yeah. Uh, um, really good episode. Let's get final thoughts. Marcy, what, what are your final thoughts on this episode? Um, it was amazing. I loved acting, was superb. Very concise. Brittany, what, what final thoughts? Yeah, this is, uh, I think I agree with you, Tristan. This is probably my third favorite episode. Uh, just because we took a different direction with showcasing these characters and their their development and just seeing the struggles, every, everyone's internal struggles with not just surviving, but being honest with themselves. Yeah, we got two action heavy episodes and we needed kind of that emotional levity just kind of like chill out for a second and and see what's happening inside these characters uh, and how they relate to each other and and getting kind of the context of you know the past 20 years that that all helped um yeah this is this is my one of my favorite episodes um like i said it, it very little action but it just felt like so much stuff was happening yeah, um, I felt almost just as tense, you know, even without a lot of the action. Um, so, yeah, absolutely love this episode. Yeah, it's a real crucial episode because it's like I've, I've said a couple of times, it's like what they've been building up to trying to get to Wyoming has been Joel's mission since what late episode one or early episode two. So now we're we're there. And obviously with what happens, he's in bad shape. And now, you know, wh- what's the new goal? What's the new mission or what, you know, what what's next? I mean, if he survives, it sounds like they need to go to Salt Lake City because that's where it seems, according to that map inside the, the college, that's where the Fireflies may have evacuated to. So SLC, y'all. And I wonder if that if that's like episode eight, 
maybe in episode eight, like episode seven is a complete like flashback episode. And in episode eight, we see maybe people come along and help her or something. Something obviously has to happen to to get Joel to a hospital or something. So anyway, really great episode. Now you know what we think about the episode. We want to know what you think about it. And Brittany, how can people tell us what they think about the episode? Join us for our live streams like today's. We really would appreciate engagement like that just so we can hear everyone else's thoughts. Uh, it's fun chatting with everyone here, of course, from the watchers, but engaging with uh, those who tune in for the live stream is a lot of fun. So don't forget to subscribe. Hit that like button for this video. Helps out our algor algorithm, if I can talk. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Simply search at Watchers Basement and use that same hashtag to help grow our audience. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your coworkers, tell clickers, tell bloaters, tell whomever about us. You know, we really appreciate uh, your help to grow our subscribers from currently 223 to 500. Let's just make that our goal for the year, y'all. Let's just do it. And lastly, you can check out our audio podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify, thanks to anchor.fm. Don't forget to give us a five-star rating. Yeah, you know, our audio episodes should be very popular with clickers because they can't see, but they can hear. So hopefully they can enjoy that. Uh, Brittany, we have another busy week. So we've, we're last of us, we've taken care of that pod, but what do we have the rest of the week? Well, tomorrow you're going to hear back from Tristan and Marcy as they cover the latest episode from 1923, a Yellowstone origin story. Wednesday, Justin and I will be back uh, to talk about our review for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. And then Friday, hopefully we'll get uh, Frank back on the pod um, as he's been uh, on vacay. And Amber will be joining Marcy and myself to discuss episode three of season four, of netflix you so yeah pretty pretty jam-packed week it's gonna be a great week y'all we really appreciate it if, if you can join us for any one of those or all of them preferably and once again don't forget to subscribe thank you Brittany. appreciate it so for Brittany, for marcy for tristan this is justin saying we'll see you next time thanks for watching thanks for listening have a good evening